You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 83. I'm C.C. Broadus. And I'm going to introduce our co-host tonight, Mr. Alan Schneider. Alan, uh, I want to ask you about a really sentimental story over the weekend in the world of college football. Alabama (laughs) actually returns to the college football playoff for the first time in a while. Uh, I know you're really happy to see them uh, advance and win the SEC championship for the first time in a long time. Uh, Your thoughts on Alabama and and uh, what a job Nick Saban's done to to rebuild that program. Yeah, it was in it was in the ashes most of the summer since they they hadn't won a game. Uh, I think the game they won on September first was the first game they'd won in like uh, five six months since the national championship last year. So so to take that program for where it was over the summer, just a bunch of random five star players, uh, eighty to hundred of them, and turn them into that kind of a tight machine to peak at the peak at the right time. That was, that was an amazing coaching job. Unlike when we've seen before, obviously we're being sarcastic. Alabama was a powerhouse every year and I like Alabama. I like Georgia too, but I, I, uh, I won't admit that I was a little bit surprised by how effective Alabama was through the air and on offense against that supposedly vaunted Georgia defense. They absolutely picked them apart. So were you happy with the outcome? I don't like either one of them, so I don't. I, I wish they both lost. <laughs> I, I I like all the SEC schools except for maybe Florida and Tennessee. That's uh, that said, I would I'd like to see Georgia maybe get their get their chance. But in fa- fairness, Georgia laid an egg, so sorry. I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Go Bearcats! I, I can see that. <laughs> Let's bring in our uh, other co-host, Mr. Brandon Jaggers. Uh, Brandon, tomorrow is National Brownie Day. And to celebrate in Massachusetts, they are baking an, an 850-pound brownie that contains 20,000 milligrams of THC. Are you on a flight right now to Massachusetts to possibly purchase this brownie? Craig, I, I often wonder what you do during the day and finding these random articles. I don't even find those on my Facebook feed. So we want to congratulate you on the most unique and obscene uh uh, creation uh, that's out there in America today. I'm a little surprised it's in Massachusetts and not in Denver, Colorado, but it is what it is. Well, I think I read that right. I'm not 100% sure that's Massachusetts. I didn't even know it was uh, marijuana was legal in Mar- Massachusetts, but honestly, I don't know. Maybe it's medical marijuana. I do believe brownies are. I do believe brownies are legal in all 50 states, if that's what we're talking about. I may be wrong about that. And the question I have for you all, I mean, who has time for all this college football when there's all this horse racing going on? And I, I prioritize. <laughs> I prioritize sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's what we are. We're a horse racing podcast, and we're going to cover uh, what we consider the best in Kentucky racing. Unfortunately, uh, today we'll cover, to start out, the worst in horse racing. Uh, and this is old news probably for most of you. Uh, Medina Spirit, the embattled Kentucky Derby winner, passed away on Monday morning after a workout. Uh, le- allegedly had a heart attack. 
pretty much a star cross situation. This horse, uh, all, all heart, all guts. And, and he, he's forever known as the horse that's going to be disqualified. Likely that, well, that's another story. That's no whole another story we need to get into at some point, but, uh, yeah, Medina spirits passed away. Uh, and it's just not a good situation for the sport. And Alan, uh, any, any thoughts, uh, on, on the, the life and times of, Medina spirit and that, that whole unnecessary uh, drama. I don't have anything deep or thought provoking uh, to say that it hasn't already been said by a lot of people. I mean, by the, I think we're taping this on Tuesday night. It's been covered ad nauseum uh, throughout the Twitterverse, throughout uh, the national media and stuff. So I'm not going to add a whole lot to it outside of the obvious, feel the obvious way that a lot of people probably do. I would add, if I could think of one quick positive before I go into some other points about the situation, if nothing else, and this put back for everybody aside for just a second, this reminds all of us, horse players and horse fan, horse racing fans, people in the industry, and I think sometimes it does need to be reminded that uh, these horses, they're not the seven. They're not the three horse. They're not the horse you need for your single. They're not the horse that you can cuss after the race. They're not, they're not inanimate objects that are just here for your amusement, for your entertainment, for your gambling dollar. I think everybody needs to take a step back once in a while. Remember, these are living, breathing animals and uh, living things that are important to certain people. And I think oftentimes we do look at this. People look at the seven horse, the six horse. And, um, so as, if anything else, it's, it, it made people step back and realize that, right? That, you know, all the arguments one side or the other, is this good for horses, is this bad for horses? I mean, the people who are against this, I mean, they, they have they have a legitimate point. I've got to be honest with you. I, I've been uh, trying to reconcile it myself. That's before we get into Mr. Baffert and, and such like that. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible for the sport. It's terrible for all those trainers all those jockeys, all those people who work in the industry who deeply, deeply care about the horses that they have, who really want to make a difference and stuff. And all of a sudden, their career theoretically could be in somewhat of a jeopardy. Um, they, people look at them a little funnier now. They're going to answer a lot of questions about this. So all those things together, in addition to a myriad of other things, uh, make this a real black mark and a real problematic thing. And I understand people's frustration. I understand the people who don't like the sports frustration. And uh, there's a pariah out there in California. He's not the only one, but he's the one at the center of the center of the universe right now. So your thoughts. I don't know if we've got enough time for my thoughts. It, this is, I was trying to, trying to provide a, or, or create a metaphor for, for the, the web that this, uh, industry has tangled itself in I mean, it's like me going fishing with a rod and reel and this happens every once in a while you, you don't have enough weight on your line you toss the line out there a couple of times and then all of a sudden you've got a big uh, knot uh, on your line and then it takes about a half hour for me to to figure out how to uh, untangle it that's kind of mm -hmm. the situation we're in right now in, in, in racing today and a lot of it goes back to the racing jurisdictions the the, the governmental agencies that that govern the sport they they enable trainers to get away with whatever they want to do, and if if they do get caught, they get hand slapped. You know, right? Five hundred dollar fines, uh, fifteen day suspensions. That's that's nothing. Or 
they let them train under a, uh, their their assistant trainer. And it, it, I mean, this has gone on forever. And there are guys out in California, especially, they're just doing whatever. They're just running rampant all over the sport. And you don't hear these kind of situations with the with the good trainer, the the good horseman, the Shug McGahees of the world, and 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 the Barkley Tags and those guys that they're real horsemen. That, that these things don't happen to them. But you know, I will mention the names of Peter Millers and the Bob Bafferts and the John Sadlers. Uh, those guys over and over and over have gotten just uh, penalty after penalty, and they're still training. But in the meantime, uh, uh, and this was, I think, uh, Chuck Simon's podcast. I listened to him last night, and it was really good. I suggest you listen to Going in Circles podcast. But, uh, you know, he mentioned uh, Florent Giroux got, or got a $5,000 fine for striking his mount seven times in, when the legal limit is six. That means that the stewards had to go back and watch the video to find that seventh strike. They're more concerned about something like that that wasn't even on, on camera than they are, you know, all of these medication violations that these trainers getting away with. And this has just gone on forever. And now, and here we are. And these things like, like this happen. Uh, it's not the first time a Kentucky Derby winners has, has died on the track. Uh, going back to 1984 when swell won the Belmont stakes four days later, he, he collapsed and died of a heart attack. Um, and then of course, Barbaro, broke down coming out of the starting gate at uh, Pimlico on, on Preakness day. But, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's a, it's a huge web that's uh, really entangled the sport and there's no leaders. We have no leaders like the NFL has a, has a president and NHL and MLB. I mean, they've all got somebody that, that can take action. There's nobody in this sport that will take action. There will, there, there'll be no sweeping change. At the head of the game, you've got, or at the top of the heap, you've got the Churchill Downs and the Stronach Group and Naira, and I'm not convinced that they're they're interested in growing the game. Right. Uh, I'm I'm more I think they're more interested in cashing out at this point. You know, I mean, at, at you might consider Keeneland uh, a leader in the industry, but uh, they're they're not going to be able to speak for every jurisdiction in the nation. It's 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 a sad state of affairs, and uh, I, I, I'm afraid we're not going to see a uh, anything solved anytime soon. You know, How are you Brandon. Well, real quick before you go on to Brandon, you use the word enablers, and we all know who the enablers are. California Racing Association. There's a lot of other. There's another enablers out there. The the buddy system, yada yada yada. But in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, a lot of horse players, a lot of fans can be a little bit of enablers too. And what I mean by that is too is we, we, we rewind the clock six months when this all this happened with at the Kentucky Derby and the ointment and all that stuff. And how many people spoke big words that they're going to boycott, they're never betting again, blah, blah, blah. They're, not, they're never going to play this guy again, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a couple weeks later, and, hey, look, Baffert's got a four to five single. I love it. Del Mar, I'm, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. See, see, in a lot of ways, we're all enablers. I, I, didn't, I, I don't play California, so it's – but you know, if you're going to make these bold stances about boycotting, let's stick to it, right? I mean, just if you're going to make if you're going to make the if if, if you truly believe it and you feel in your heart that's way, then, then you got to stick to it. If and if if you're not going to, then don't make the bold stance on the boycott and stuff too. So we we see a lot of that. We're going to see it again this time around. 
and they eventually know it's going to change at the end of the day people's vices are going to supersede their beliefs and stuff so i think you know there's there's a lot of enabling going on even at the lower levels and stuff but that's just that's just my two cents if, you, if that makes any sense to you well another enabler would be the owners uh, yeah the, agree yeah, the owners a lot of these owners they're not stupid uh, they know they know what their trainers are doing. I mean, this, there's a uh, particular owner that sits on the I, I don't know if it's the Naira board or or something like that, but he used Jason Service forever. Yeah, and may have, yeah. And then there's there's another racetrack owner that used uh, Jorge Navarro. Mm. Uh, they they know what's going on and they allow it to happen. And and here we are, you know. And they've got egg all over their face, but they they continue to use the trainers that uh, push push the envelope. And you know, it's it's. It it shouldn't be that way. You know, going back to the to the old days when when you had uh, you know Seattle Slu and and Spectacular Bid, the, the, these owners they they would never consider selling micro shares to other right. owners. And, and you know this this was all this is, you pull up any two year old race at at California any any horse trained by Baffert has at least ten owners now. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's all of these owners now are just uh, teaming up. Trying to get to uh, trying to get point. to the Derby. Uh, the, yeah. Back in the, you know this is that's akin to like Bob Kraft owning the Patriots, and then buying shares in the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins just yeah. to make sure that he gets out of the yeah get, right gets out of his division. That that you know that where's the sportsmanship in that? That's and, and I know it's all about money and there's opportunities there, but you know that's just not that's not the way the game used to be played. Not I, I honestly prefer the old way as to what I do too. the way it is now. You know, I, I just don't like looking at a derby field that's got uh, 20 horses and 12 of them have common ownership now. It seems like, you know, that's not that's not true, but I mean, I'm exaggerating. But yeah, that's, you know, it's just things are different now, I guess. Well, you know, my, my, one of my points a moment ago about that was it's uh, people are like, well, while well, Baffert's going to win the race, well, I've got to play the horse. No, just don't bet the race. That's how a racetrack will listen, right? Don't bet their track. If they're going to let him run, and not just him, some other guys too. I mean, make your stance. And uh, just if if you think uh, he's in a race, then just don't bet it. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And then nobody bets the race and people will listen. That's just one little thought from me. But I, I would also add that one thing we have to be careful for uh, about, and I see this a lot, is people make, who make suppositions about trainers cheating when they don't know that they're cheating. That's something I really don't care for. I'm not going to accuse anybody if I don't have certain proof or whatever. And we do that a lot. And we see that a lot in that cesspool. That's the Twitterverse lots of times. I don't like when we, we accuse guys of cheating that we don't know. I mean, is, well, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair to say. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm guilty. I, I'm one of them. But I think I, I have been too. I, I've been too, but I, I don't make that vocal and stuff. I mean, we, we can't just let our opinion. We can't, but we think it happened. I just want to be I don't like when guys do that. If, now you give me proof, I'm all over it, right? Well, the problem is, I think we, it, as betters, we know, we've seen this over and over yes. again, that we're the only ones that'll speak up because uh, the, the media won't speak up. Uh, the racetracks obviously don't care. The jurisdictions try to cover it up. Uh, with you know uh, go back as far as justify in 2018 when uh that that positive that he when he won the sanity derby the jimson weed positive was that that had to be leaked it, it was it was uh tried to be covered up by the the california racing board and the same with uh, the positives at oakland uh, the guy swift swift hitter had to leak that uh, had mm-hmm. he not leaked that I, I don't think we'd ever known about the uh the charlatan and the gamine positive so that's I, a good point I, 
I think as as betters, we we feel like we have to like at least point this out because, like I said, nobody else would. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just it's it's frustrating, uh, you know, when you see it over and over and over and 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 you know, uh, you get to the point it's like, well, surely not everybody's cheating. So you know, I mean, you're right. We 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 cast allegations way too often, but you know, it, it feels like we we got to point it out or because uh nobody else would. Yeah, unfortunately, right once in a while. Let's get Brandon in here. Sure, you guys are covering a ton. I mean, I, I hate hearing about a horse collapse because of a cardiac arrest. I mean, that that to me is means that that horse may have been under stress, duress, pushed too much. At three I, years I old. I mean, At three years just, old, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I don't know if that horse had to prove a whole lot more you know, much more while they working out. It, it must've been a gallop. I, I don't think they're breezing and actually posting a work on a Monday. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, cause usually a horse, if they're going to debut on a Friday or Saturday card, they're going to work a week from that day on a Friday or Saturday. So I don't know. It, it's, it's just, it's very sad. And the other thing I, I found out recently, uh, just today, two hours ago, really, is that Medina Spirit's uh, mother, the dam, is uh, Mongolian Chenga and is now being shipped uh, to Japan. I mean, it happened hmm. the same day. So I, I didn't know that. I mean, it's just a very strange circumstance. And, and the, the you know, obviously the, the Cyrus Britannico, not a big well-known sire, but I mean, everybody knows the racehorse Britannico, but as a sire, it's just okay. Uh, but I think Mongolian Changa is, is being bred, is, is pregnant to not this time and being shipped over to Japan. So, hmm. I mean, the horse is there now. It's in Japan. It's just a, strange. It's just very strange. And yeah. I, I don't know how all that works. And to have a horse go from here to Japan is not easy. But uh, that, that little tidbit of information I thought was pretty darn wild. Yeah. Um, and you know Monday was a sad day. It was a very sad day. Has Baffert made a statement? I, 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 I don't, he I mean, he did release guy. a statement just stating that he was, um, you know, they were upset and all that. But that 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 was the extent of it. And I think his attorney released a statement too. That's right. all. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'm going to add one more thing though. You know, we're not. Our first inclination it was something nefarious happened. Well, you know, let let we need to be fair. We don't know of anything. I right. mean, that horse just may have had a bad heart, or something may have happened, and we don't know if there's a heart attack for sure. I guess they they perform a what do they call it a neck necrosis necropsy or something like that. Yeah, they they perform it's similar to autopsy in a human, but but the uh, track record is is shady. So I mean, it goes well, back to it. There, there's been problems in the past along those lines. So I mean it. We don't know. We don't pretend to know, but um, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe we I'm ready for it. We could have a bet on one night. Yeah, maybe. Should. Well, yeah. Here we're going back to enablers. Uh, I'm I'm not happy with the vets either. You know, the vets are in charge of taking care of these horses as well. And and you know, I, the, the, I can't remember his name, but the, the the guy that was indicted with the service in Navarro. A vet, he, they discovered today that he's been dealing the same illegal drugs while he's been under indictment. You know? Well, he's a son of a bitch, then, right? I mean, yeah, he's I fair just, to say he's a son of a bitch. What, like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? Is this, and, you know, and 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 
that that's how that's how popular these drugs are that 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 they're using that they uh that, uh, that this guy could find a market for it, even though he's under FBI indictment. That just blows my mind that anybody would deal with him just because he would be toxic. And that's yeah. not the case at all. So uh, let's, uh, let's turn our attentions to some, some better news. Uh, Without question. Turfway Park opened last weekend. And, and of course, it's, uh, I, we'll maintain on this podcast that it's, uh, it's a fun a fun meeting. It's very frustrating at times, very rewarding at times. But uh, Gerardo Corrales has come away early with, uh, I believe, nine wins already. He's a leading jockey by far uh, over Joe Talamo with four wins. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, on the trainer side, Brad Cox, uh, especially with a pair of uh, two-year-old starters on one night, uh, he has the trainer's lead with uh, – uh, three three victories uh, in the first four nights of racing, uh, guys. Yeah, uh, if you follow Turfway at all, uh, the Kraus not only has nine wins, one of those horses paid hundred and twenty three dollars. That's find me another track in the country where a leading rider is going to get you sixty to one. Uh, Flavian Pratt playing sixty to one in California. Is <laughs> Tyler Gaffleyon doing sixty to one in Kentucky? No, it's that's why Turfway's fun. But you know, again, I hate on the same point all the time. But it, it bears repeating because the evidence continuously, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but the evidence with Turfway systemically uh, proves me right. You got to bet that racetrack vertically. You got to bet that racetrack vertically. Bet the racetrack. I don't know how many times I have to say it because I know I just pointed out the $120 Corrales winner. But with the exception of maybe Sunday, when the, the, the races that they carted that day kind of led to, you kind of had an idea that the race are going to be a little chaotic. For the most part, the, the winners are logical. I don't know how often I gotta say it. The winners are logical if the chaos comes underneath. And if you can get a idea of how the horses are gonna run underneath, lots of times to fill. I mean, the superfectus, the trifectus pay exorbitant amounts. It is they routinely pay six, seven hundred dollars for a dime. Do they not, CC? Yep. Do they that's not? True. The trifectus with a fairly logical trifectus come back at. 300 bucks for a dime and, and more and more, but I mean, you can get a solid one. That's not very hard to hit. So the, the trick to turfway is to play it vertically. I mean, if, if, if again, in any sequence, you have to let the sequence tell you what to play. You don't, to me, you just do not automatically play a pick five. You do not automatically play a pick four. You do not automatically play a super effect. You let the sequence in the race tell you and often more often times than not. And I'm a big believer in that. Uh, and sometimes you won't have any idea and then you skip or you just, you know, maybe play a little, uh, play a little something uh, just for the sake of playing or whatever. But the, the vertical wagering for the most part is the way to go at Turfway. And I also like to look at, we know Corrales is doing well, correct? But some of those under the radar jocks who, are, who have got that track figured out pretty well, that may not be getting the love of Corrales as early. I think Joe Rocco is one of them. I think Joe Rocco is one you definitely want to use. Uh, he only has one win so far, but he very easily, uh, once he gets a hang of it, I think he's going to win a, a races in bunches. Um, who else am I thinking? I'm here at CC off the top of my head. Uh, well, I think Bayerano's due to break out. I think yeah. he's due to break out. Uh, I think Landerell's due to break out. He had a really nice uh, win the other day. Uh, but some of the other under-the-radar guys, Javier, how do you say his name, Javier Bars, uh, Pard, Padron Barcinas, is that right? I think he's actually riding sneaky well. I think Alex Achard is riding sneaky well. These are the kind of guys you want to know. Joseph Ramos. These are the kind of guys you want to know that you can put in those underneath spots at 30 to 1, 40 to 1. 
uh, and, and get you a nice payoff or whatever. So, again, broken record with me, but I think it's a, one of the best tracks in the country to play. Not all the time, but not everything's a, a guarantee all the time. But uh, I'll preach it. I'll preach it to, to the to the uh, cows come home. Yeah, and if you and if you're playing, you are playing uh, horizontally. I mean, don't be scared to put in a 25 to one morning line horse because yeah. to start a sequence or start a pick five. I, I'll never forget CV Thunder was, I think, was 17, 18 to one to start out on Saturday night and. I mean, it's a, it, it can be just very rewarding to get some of that, that action. I like to play the pick threes, and Sunday I've never had so many two of three pick threes for less than 30 bucks because I was watching my budget. But, man, I couldn't close them out, and they're coming in at 260 380 700 650 I was rolling all day, and I just could not put them together. Cannot connect. Play vertically. Play vertically. It was a vertical day, but I didn't, I didn't want to do it. You know, I just <laughs> wanted to stick with pick three, and that's what I was doing. And I, you know, and then the only I did a pick four for, I think my base was thirteen dollars and fifty cents, and it paid me one fifty five. So, <laughs> you know, Ethan West, I thought is a sneaky trainer there. He's won yeah. a couple good races uh, in the short meet, you know, over these last couple days, and. It was funny to see Turfway racing Sunday afternoon, too. I, I, I'd prefer it at night. Stay at night, please. I agree. I, I would add, uh, I always look for these underneath trainers to be, and Byron Hughes is one that he hasn't really uh, had a horse yet. Cheryl Shiflett. I always use Cheryl Shiflett underneath. These are some of the names that uh, people don't know about, but 40, 50 to one, man, 25 to one. All of a sudden, you just turned a $6 win into a, into a thousand dollar ticket what about you cc is there anything any little angles that you like to throw out to people well no you're right if you just find the logical horse on top and then i mean these, you know, these you races it, when you put it first or second yeah yeah their their races will be littered with horses that that run third and fourth over and over and over just find one of those and that's your key underneath your logical horse and then just throw a bunch of them in there in second and third and fourth and there's a and few you can toss. There'll be a few you can toss. Yeah, there, there'll be some that have just been, you know, beating a 50 links over the last three starts, and just toss those if you can, and then, uh, you know, and, and get that get that ticket down to like three dollars for a dime, and then play play your underneath horse horse in all three spots, and then you know that's nine dollars. You might might return a hundred dollars. You know, so that's and again, uh, you can press. This is something people don't. T- you can press a vertical wager just like you can press a horizontal wager. Um, it, it blows my mind that people don't do it. I mean, if, I'll just use the dime superfecta, the dime minimum as a, a base. I know that you should bet a dollar, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all that. I'm here about, you know, trying to explain things to, to people. If you want to go a dime, you want a dollar, whichever way. But as CC just said, maybe you maybe you break it down and you go pay um, a $3. Break it down again, right? Um, Put, find the horse that you like on top. Put that Absolutely. horse second. Put that Absolutely. horse third. Put that fourth. Right now, once you do that, now once you've done that, go back and uh, instead of going all all in the third and fourth spot, take two horses in the third spot of the remaining horses with all in the fourth spot. Then flip them and then continuously right. do that. You can press a vertical wager. I hate to use I hate to use the same cliches everybody else does, but in this point, 
you can press a vertical wager just like you can press a horizontal wager, and you can hit that trifecta multiple times. You can hit that superfecta multiple. You can hit that exacta multiple times. Um, I would encourage people to do a little bit more of that. If, if there's anything I can take, get, tell you about turf, I'd encourage people to do more of that. All right. Alan, you proved that point. We've seen your tickets between the yeah, podcast I don't, uh, mates. And, and oh, man, I, you can bring a house down. Yeah, but I don't do it enough. I, I don't I don't hit the big ones enough. But I but CDC's the same way. We we like to press those vertical wagers at Turf and other places too. All right, let's uh with with uh, our uh, wagering discussion out of the way, let's uh, let's get to our guest tonight. And uh, I have the introduction, and uh, let's let's get to him uh, right now. Our guest this evening has come a long way in a short time. Originally from Puerto Rico. He won his first race as a rider less than 12 months ago aboard flat rate at Laurel Park at odds of 33 to 1. Since then, he's amassed 76 victories and over $2 million in earnings, riding primarily on the Mid-Atlantic circuit. He's already a stakes winner aboard Red Hot Mess for our buddy Chelsea Moisey. He's now shifted his tack to Arkansas, where he will spend the winter at Oaklawn Park. He still carries a five-pound apprentice allowance, and he wants to ride for you this winter. I'm talking about John Geraldo. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Hope you guys are doing good. Absolutely, uh, John. Uh, you knew you wanted to be a rider at a young age. Uh, what was your attraction uh, to this profession? Honestly, um, my dad. He was a rider, and I really grew up looking at him, looking up to him. You know, I grew up in the racetrack. You know, I always said I wanted to be like dad, and I never looked to the side. You know, I always kept looking forward and following his path, and here I am, making my dreams come true. So you've got some riders in your family, right? Tell us about your tell tell us about your uh, your cousin. Yes, my cousin Angel Cruz. He's the base jockey in Maryland Laurel Park. My uncle Luis Batista. He's also a rider. He rides in the area of Charlestown and Laurel also. And actually, like riding right now, those are the two I have in my family. I got you. Did yes. uh. Did the mechanics of riding, did it come easy for you since you had family members in the sport? I mean, like, for instance, going to a left-handed stick. Like, I can't hold a fork with my left hand, but, you know, much less use it to encourage a horse. But is 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 that something that comes natural to you, or, or is it something you need to improve upon, or are you learning as you go? How, how does that work? Well, honestly, I'm left-handed. So, oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I work well with it, but honestly, riding-wise, it's, it's a little different. I mean... Ever since I started, I just got better, and I feel like I got better and better. You know, I would switch sticks, I would drop it, redo it, redo it, and then I've just learned as I've ridden many horses, you know, I just learn as I go, like we say, and then right now I feel like I I got a good left hand. <laughs> so you've had a lot of success uh, in your first full year of riding uh you're the leading apprentice rider by number of wins. First of all, congratulations for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. In your circles, have the words Eclipse Award been tossed around? No. In my circle? Wait, ask that, well, ask that please. Well, just amongst friends, you know, or, or family. Has, has, has that been talked about, possibly, a, you know, a Eclipse Award nomination? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. My cousin, he was nominated. When he was a bug, he finished second. And it, we have, we've talked about it. I mean, it was always a dream. I can tell you guys, before I even started riding, I would practice with my mom and 
tell her like how I would do my interview and how I would, would say my speech if I ever won the Eclipse Award. You know, it was always a dream for me. And honestly, we sit down. I sit down now and think about it and how close I am to actually maybe getting there. And yeah, it's it's something we talk about now that the year's ending. So, John, you're moving your tack to Oakland for the winter. Uh, first of all, I got to know, is there any culture shock for you, uh, you know, moving to Arkansas? Is, is, is there anything different that you noticed in Hot Springs that uh, maybe in other parts of the country or, or your or your home uh, that that's uh, a little different so far? Yes. I mean, it's a little different. You know, there's not many things to do, you know, like we like to say, you know, Um but I mean, honestly, it's it, during the day it gets a little warmer, so I like that better than back home. But I mean, honestly, it's it's a little different. But I don't let it I don't let it affect me because I honestly came over here to ride. You know, I, that's what I'm focused on. That's my goal to do good here at Oakland. So, what's your plan to break in at Oakland? It, it, I know it's difficult to. Uh, for any outsider to just, you know, to, to be a mainstay, what do you have a, like, you know, with your agent, do you have a plan in place to, uh, to, to, you know, get your name out there or, or what, 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 what's John Geraldo got to do to, uh, to be, uh, to be, uh, you know, uh, a leading rider at Oakland? Honestly work hard. I mean, like me and my new agent, Jay Freighter, um, we, we've just talked about working hard and, you know, and demonstrating in the races. I mean, I have to demonstrate and, you know, um, let them know what I've learned as a bug boy and hopefully win as many as I can. I mean, I think more of a plan will come after the meet if we do well and see where we're at. But right now, just work hard and win races. What's something that you have to do? You have to go to like barn to barn and introduce yourself, or is it like you know maybe like uh, you just got to network a little bit? How is, is there anything special you have to do outside of just winning races? Yes, I mean I do have to go barn to barn. Yesterday was my first day. I came, I got here on Sunday morning. I rode one for Chelsea, finished second, and then next morning, Monday morning. I walked around for the first time around the backside and with my agent, we introduced myself. A couple people knew me, a couple people didn't, but that's how it all works. You know, you got to walk around, introduce yourself and then get on some horses and then go on from there. So you get a five pound weight allowance uh, on, on the rest of your mount or on all of your mounts, correct? That's that's the way it works right now. You started at 10, you worked your way down to seven. Now you're at five. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, how long uh, how long do you keep that weight allowance? Is it a certain amount of time or is it a certain amount of wins? No, you get the 10 pound. You start as a 10 pound, and then when you win your fifth race, you start as a 7 pounder. And then when you win your 40th, you become a 5 pound until you lose your bug. So now I have my 5 pounds until I lose it. Okay, and then when you, when do you lose the bug? Is it a certain, certain amount of time afterwards? Yes, if I'm not mistaken... I think mid-April, mid-April, April, somewhere in April, I, I lose my bug. Oh, that's perfect. That's uh, about yeah. coincides with the end of the Oakland meet almost. Uh, I think they run yeah. through uh, Kentucky Derby Day, uh, first week of May. So yes. that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, Alan, uh, I'll turn it over to you. But uh, Mr. Geraldo, I've seen him ride. He, he's a very polished rider for his age, and he's well-spoken. I think uh, this guy's got a bright future. 
and remarkably well. So I don't think we mentioned uh, John is only 20 years old. <laughs> uh, it, he sounds a lot more fluent than the rest of us do. We're old as hell. Uh, so congratulations on that, John. Uh, take me back. Uh, you said you're from Puerto Rico. Did you do any unofficial writing in Puerto Rico? Or was you already in the States uh, by that point? No, I, I started writing here in the United States. Okay. I didn't know if uh, if you knew your way around the Puerto Rican racetracks. Have you ever, I'm assuming you've been to some, right? Yes, I've been there, but never, never ridden as a rider, as a jockey. Okay. Uh, well, then, in that case, take me back to that first win. Uh, I think CeCe mentioned that your first win came almost a year ago. It came, if I'm not mistaken, like on your last day of December last year. So it's been almost a year to the day. Uh, I'm always fascinated when an apprentice you're pulling for, they get that first win. What's it feel like, the sense of euphoria, the sense of relief? And then what happens when the other jockeys get a hold of you when you on your way back uh, to the jocks room? Tell me, take me back to that first win. Yeah, that first one was it was almost a year ago, December 31st, and it's a day I'll never forget. I mean, I rode my race, you know, I went out there, horse was 30 to one, and I can be honest, I didn't think he had a shot. <laughs> I love the honesty. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think he had a shot. You know, I said I'm gonna go out here, ride my race, and do what I like to do, you know, just learn how to ride. And then I broke. I mean, I'm sitting chilly and I can be honest, the horse just took me to the wire. You know, when I crossed the wire, I couldn't believe it. You know, down the stretch, I was looking at the TV because I had a feeling nobody was going to come by me. When I crossed the wire, I started screaming, you know, in excitement. You know, all the guys were patting me and shaking my hand as we pulled up. You know, I pulled my goggles down and started crying. It was it was unbelievable. And then when you got to the jocks room, did they uh, did they give you the usual uh, warm uh, first apprentice win uh, welcome that they usually do with the toilet paper, the shaving cream, and all that stuff? Did you get any of that? Yeah, since it was during COVID, I mean they couldn't do it on the outside, so I didn't really get wet. But when I did get inside, they put shaving cream on me and threw eggs at me and stuff. And yeah, I bet you it was awesome, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean I always dreamed about that moment since I was and a kid. So, because you're in the Mid Atlantic, those are, there's a lot of track, a lot of tracks very close to each other up in the Mid Atlantic. I'm guessing, and I believe I looked at this, you probably get around during the week. You don't, you don't just stay at Laurel or stay. You probably drive to Charlestown, Laurel, Penn National. I'm guessing, and ride different places during the week. Is that right? Yeah. Um. In the summer, I did a lot of Laurel, Delaware, Colonial, Charlestown. You know, everywhere. But then. Um, winter came, so I was just doing Laurel, Penn National, and Charlestown. And so you've you've ridden the bull ring. Is is Charlestown a bull ring? Is that right? Yes. I, yes, it's a bull ring. How's that like? What's it, I'm always fascinated by that when the jockeys. I mean, because you've got to change. I would think you have to change your complete strategy. A four and a half furlong race is one turn, but a seven furlong race is is two turns. Is that tougher? I mean, the turns are tighter. You've got to ration. I would guess you have to ration your horse a little differently. How different is that? Yes, it's different. I mean. Going the four and a half, you got to break, you got to send. You know, it's 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 very very different. There's no, like I say, there's no patience. I mean, you can't wait like right. you do your track. Sometimes you can if you have the horse, but it's honestly just break and go. And then six and a half and seven furlongs, you can wait a little bit. But around the turns, they are a little sharper, a little tighter turns. So you got to kind of see where you're at. That way you don't get in that much trouble because they are some tighter turns. And um, 
so now you're going to Oakland and you're going to try to drum up business there, which obviously with your track record, I'm sure you're going to. Uh, for those trainers, those owners that are listening or they're going to see your work down there, what do you think your strengths are as a rider? I mean, are you, are you perfectly well polished? Can you do anything? Or do, do you have a certain uh, niche uh, that maybe separates you from other guys you believe? Well, honestly, I mean, like I said, I'm an apprentice. Every day I learn. Every day I can say I mess up a race and I'm, you know, I, I learn from it. But I mean, I feel like I, I'm, I pretty well, I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I mean, I feel like I go out there and know what I'm doing. I study my race. I go out there. I ride as strong as I can down the lane. I try and beat as patient as I can, and I always try my best to follow the trainer's instructions. Win or lose, if you follow the trainer's instructions, I feel like that's the way to actually win the race. You know, keep the trainer and the owners happy. Uh, amen, brother. I think you're going to do very well there. Are you going to miss turf racing? Because you're not going to need turf racing for a couple of months. Honestly, I think I will. I mean, now was the time where I felt like I was getting better at it and developing myself every single day as a turf rider and winning a couple races in Maryland. And I feel like I actually liked it. You know, I will miss it, but I can't wait to ride it again. I like it a lot. And of those mid-Atlantic tracks, which one do you think – is there one that's a little more special than the others that you like prefer a little bit more than the others? I'm sure you love them all. Any place you get a win, I'm sure you love. But is there anyone that you uh, have a specific fondness for? Delaware, perhaps? Laurel? I like them. I mean, honestly, I like them all. But Laurel, Laurel is a very nice track. I mean, but honestly, I, I can say I rode a couple times at Colonial, and it was really nice, man. The turf, yeah, Colonial's nice. Yeah. The turf, the dirt, it's very different. You know what I mean? Here in the Mid-Atlantic, I really like Colonial a lot. Other than that, Laurel, I can't go wrong with Laurel. That's why I started, and I can say it'll always be my favorite. Well, that is until you make your way to hear the bluegrass in Kentucky, yes. and we'll see if you, what you think about Keelan and Churchill. But that couple months away, keep that in mind, all right, buddy? Yeah. Hey, Brandon, what you got for John? Yeah, so I was just curious in talk, talking about surfaces. I mean, do you prefer turf then over dirt or synthetic? Or, have you gotten many uh, rides on synthetic? Honestly, never. I've never ridden on the synthetic, not once. Well, yeah. we got all that here in Kentucky for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never ridden on the synthetic. What about the type of horse? I mean, do you have a preference of fillies or colts or geldings? And I mean, they're all different. Everyone you get on is a totally different, just like a car, totally different. But uh, have you noticed anything that you prefer that you feel more relaxed on riding? Honestly, I can say that the speed ones. I've always yeah. said, I've always said the speed because I mean you can break and go and then you can decide if somebody else wants to go you can relax if not you go and then I feel like I like the speed of horses because you can relax them and then they'll always give you something at the end you know what I mean because that's the way they run they break out fast relax and then come back down the stretch and I, I like the speed of horses. Cool. Yeah. With, like that, uh, you huh? know, I've noticed kind of, you know, what your uh, your schedule is going to look like. And he went from Charlestown <laughs> one night all the way out to Arkansas the next day. I mean, <laughs> was that a long haul? I mean, you take a flight. How'd you do all that? Yes, I just rode last Saturday night at Charlestown. And then I went to bed. I finished in the last, went to bed, woke up. I only slept like two hours straight to the airport. Got on the first plane, 
then got on the second plane, made it to Arkansas, rode here, rode here for Chelsea. I finished a second, and then went on from there. That's not too bad. I mean, even when you get off those planes, you still got like a three-hour drive. It's not that easy. So, good for you for doing it. But Thank we're looking you. over the card. I mean, is there any of these, you know, your next three days, you've got a lot of, you know, good opportunities, obviously large purses. Uh, you know, do you know of many of your mounts coming up? Looks, looks like Steve Manley's got a couple. Uh, you've got a nice allowance horse there. Go for shirt, Sherry. I mean, anything that stands out over the next couple of days that our listeners can follow? Yes, honestly, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, I want to give thanks to the trainers and the owners for giving me the opportunity. And I'm excited because I only got a chance to ride here one race, and now they're giving me the shot. You know what I mean? So I'm really excited to have a couple horses in. And honestly, I feel I haven't really sat down and actually looked at them, but I did work one or two of them. I did work Chelsea's, um, the one I'm riding, Baby Cloud. I did get on a couple. I feel like some of them had a shot. I like Go for Sherry and I really like Go for Sherry because it's it's speed. If you guys look at it, it's speed. Uh-huh. And, uh, best races is in the front. You know, I like the speed. So I have two or three that I like. Other than that, I haven't really sat down and studied them, but I will. Yeah, it, it looks like you've got a couple maiden special weights here. I mean, you're all over the board. Maiden claiming, special weight claiming, start yes. allowance. Of a two-year-old. Yeah, and some other nice allowances. So uh, we're going to be following you and you want to send us a message or two, you're more than welcome to do so. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we we wish you the best. We'd be watching, and I, I like seeing the trainer variety too, and, um, you know, that's all very good and a, a very great start. So, uh, you know, uh, much the best to you, and we'll be cheering for you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Now, John, we can't go any further without talking about uh, the, the relationship you're in right now uh yeah i do believe you're dating a good friend of ours and chelsea moise uh any you care to comment on that or, or how you all got to know each other and 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 uh what's going on uh in 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 that particular relationship yeah we started at the delaware meet i met her at the delaware meet and then we just went up went on from there we started talking and then liked each other and just started dating i mean and then we went on from there. I started working for her a little bit, and then first horse I rode for her, I think I finished fourth, and then second horse I rode for her, I won. An allowance at Charlestown. He's actually in here at Oakland on Sunday, substantial. And that was our yep. first on that horse, and then we just went on from there. I mean, everything's going well, and we are still together. So you, you, uh, you all shared a good moment together. I think uh, both of you won your first stakes with Red Hot Mess at delaware that was uh that had to be a fun day yes it was fun honestly i mean like you said it was my first stakes win and her first stakes win so it was it was something it was the excitement was mutual you know it's, she's a nice filly and she's actually going to work tomorrow she's going to breeze tomorrow i'm going to breeze her and she's doing oh, very good great great I, I assume we'll probably see her then pretty soon maybe an allowance or, or possibly a stakes i think she should be running if i'm not mistaken um, here at Oakland at the end of the month. Excellent. I uh, can't wait for that. We thank a lot of Chelsea. She, she's been on with us twice, and her podcasts have been uh, amongst the most popular pods that we've done. So, yeah, we're 
we wish the best to Chelsea. And I'm, I'm telling you, John, we're, we're going to get down there to Oakland, hopefully this spring and hang out with you guys. Uh, if, if you'll have us, but, uh, yeah, we, we got to get down there first we said, we said we were going to do it last, last winter and spring and we never did, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, John, it, it appears that, like I said, you've got a bright future. Uh, we'll definitely be paying attention. I, I, I watch Oakland on the regular anyway, so I'll, uh, I'll be rooting you on for sure. Uh, uh, before we go, uh, guys, any any parting thoughts for for John Geraldo? Well, I'm just I'm honestly taken aback to how professional John sounds. If he rides, because I haven't seen much of it, because I'm a Kentucky guy. If he rides anything, the way he pre- the way he presents himself here, I mean, he's got success written all over him. You realize that, John? I mean, you uh, you're ex- extremely mature for a young man. It's it, it's shocking. Uh, have you heard that before? I actually have. <laughs> Honestly, I actually have. They tell me, like, you don't sound like you're from Puerto Rico. You know very good English. You know how to present yourself. So, That's I mean, insulting a little bit, but, uh, no, you yeah, just sound like you're. I, I try my best to just, you know, be the best person I can be every day, you know, and let people know who I really am, you know. I tell you what, I look forward to listening to Vic Stauffer, uh call your uh, call your name across the finish line first on multiple occasions. This meet, I, if there's a, there, we have we have a lot of trainers to listen to us stuff, and if they're listening, uh, we're I'm impressed. CC's impressed, Brand's impressed. I'm sure they're gonna be impressed. And there's gotta be a lot of winning mouths in your future at Hot Springs and beyond, sir. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you guys, I appreciate it. Honestly, is it was a uh decision i made you know it was i thought about it a little bit too much and then i said oh, i'm gonna take the risk i've never lived i've never left the mid-atlantic so i said why not take this shot you know what i mean and i feel like with the opportunities i got hopefully everything goes well and i can win a couple races here oh yeah and see america see america see this country and stuff so yeah it, yeah it's, it's exciting people that's what the horse racing is all about even from our end from the podcast end to being owners and to being you know part of the game it'll really pay off in the end the more people you get to know and and just be original and be yourself and you know of course work hard yes of course thank you guys yeah we'll we'll be covering you on these sprints now because i know they're fast at oakland <laughs> yes they are pretty fast they i've been looking at a couple races and there yeah. there are some fast times yes there are all right absolutely john uh uh, you folks at home, just uh, look out for John Geraldo on a fast winter near you. And uh, John, thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, and best of luck uh, this coming season at Oakland. Thank you guys, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me, and hopefully we can get together soon. You got it. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that was John Geraldo, a hot apprentice jockey. Has won a lot of races in 2021. Looks like he's going to have a bright future, guys. Oh, how impressive was he? Uh, I had a, if I had a if I had a horse, I'd put him on him. I hope people uh, were listening, hope people have been paying attention to his career because I, I mean, he's only 20 years old, and uh, he sounds uh, wise beyond his years. I'm, sounds like he rides beyond his years too. Yeah, Brandon, but, I got uh, some trivia for you. Uh oh. Well, he's 41 percent in the money, by the way. <laughs> That's impressive. Me. <laughs> I said, Brandon, Go I've got some trivia for you. Shoot. We tossed around the word bug rider. What where does the term bug rider come from? I would guess it's just the advantage to let those younger riders to come in at a, at a lesser weight. 
Right, but where where does that come from? Where where does the term originate? Why why are they called bug riders? Because bugs are lighter than. <laughs> Good guess. That's that's a great guess. Now that the actually it's uh, if you look in a program, let's just say next time John Geraldo rides in the program, there'll be an asterisk next to his weight. Let's say uh, normally a horse carries 122, he gets a five pound weight break. It's going to say 117, and there'll be an asterisk besides the 117 that asterisk is basically looks like a bug and i think that's where the term originates it's it's correct so So double bug is seven pounds a double asterisk is seven pounds a triple bug you know the newest jockey is 10 pounds if you see triple bug trip three asterisks that means 10 pound 10 pound apprentice that's right that's right we all so we people may have learned something today so it's been educational and informative today yeah those those good riders they don't they don't last long with a 10 pound bug it's yeah they're usually pretty hot if they know they've got any talent at all got 10 pounds can win a lot of races so yeah they it didn't last long for sure uh before we go i want to toss this i was watching uh, another podcast i think something you're going to hear something about here in the near future is uh and I've, I've already forgotten the term but uh i'll prop bet proposition wagers you know what a prop bet is yeah yeah it's like is uh who's gonna score the first touchdown super bowl tom brady or uh you know uh, right. uh joe burrow <laughs> yeah so let's would you be interested in placing a 20 dollar? let's just say a 20 dollar wager on a prop bet that says at Turfway, will Gerardo, Gerardo Corrales win more than two and a half races? And then will Mike Maker win more than 0.5 races? And then mm-hmm. will the winner of the seventh race win by more than one and a half links? And let's say you bet $20 to win and you win $150. Would you be interested in a, in a wager like that? If I were to win 150, perhaps, and only because something like, say, a turfway might play into my strengths where I kind of analyze how the whole race is going to try to be run. Maybe. I think overall I don't particularly care for it. But if you're asking me who, like, you know, like, can will this horse beat this horse? You know, like a head-to-head wager. I can see where that might be entertaining to somebody because you start factoring in pace and some other things like that. Uh Maybe I'm not saying I'm gonna be crazy about it, uh, but that said, when Kentucky Downs used to do their jockey wager, I may have bet it once to see me. You know, there's a little st- strategy involved in that, right? Try to determine whose mounts have the best shot. So I don't know. I what about you? Would you want to do that? I, I think it's an interesting idea. I think that's something that they they need to explore. I don't know how you, you go about. I mean, only paramutual wagering is is legal in the state. So I, I don't know if you can make it paramutual or not, but uh, that that is something that's probably going to be explored somewhere in this country at some point. And uh, it's I might fun. do it it's conditionally, and, it's, and it'll give you fixed odds. I mean, what you just explained is a is a uh, uh, three prop parlay. Right. You that's know, yeah. That's basically what it is. Is a parlay. Yeah. Two to one. It's going to pay. That's like uh, eight to one comparison or six to one. So I mean. That would be, to me, that's very entertaining and fun. And there's somebody on the other side of that bet that would take that bet that I right. can accomplish it. Right. I, I think I think that's something that, that 
it's it's going to happen at some point. One of these states, probably something like New Jersey or, or something like that. But I I hope that's something that they they entertain somewhere down the line. Uh, but uh, yeah, I heard that. I thought that was interesting. I was just going to bring it up with you guys. But uh, you would think our state legislature would be creative, but there's not. They're not going to be. I well, mean, barely got some slot machines in the state, so you know I guess they're going to say you should all be, you all should be happy for another twenty years. Yeah. But, you know, then we're going to be back in the same position. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll, if, if, if there's any state that's going to prove it last, it'll be Kentucky. That's for sure. Yep. Guaranteed. Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, uh, anything else before Brandon? we. Yeah. I wanted to give a, a kind of a listener spotlight to a new friend of ours, a new friend of the podcast. He's actually listened a while ago. We shared an elevator and he kind of protects the banks in, in situations. Uh, but a friend now, his name is Neil Balin. He's an attorney, actually, at Stites and Harbison, uh, representing in, in Jeffersonville, Indiana, as well as Louisville. Uh, he's a member and co-chair of the Financial Services Litigation Group. So not really a consumer-oriented guy, really just protecting my interest. So that's great, man. We need guys like this. He's very uh, knows a lot about in Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, uh, fair credit, all those types of things. But I hate to say it, he represents the banks. He's with the good guys, but been an avid listener. He says he loves CC and Alan, and he always wonders where I am sometimes. And, and <laughs> so him, do we. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> him I'm, de- I'm dealing with respa issues. And, no, no. But, you know, it, it was fun. They came and gave an ed- educational seminar to a group of us at the bank. And, um, Neil, if you're listening, I'm giving you a prop here. And uh, another uh, friend of his and, and co-worker uh jennifer cave she was awesome uh and hopefully she'll listen to the pod because she loves horses too she owns and rides a couple horses on i think a small farm that she has so uh the attorneys listen to us a lot they definitely took took note in the breeders cup uh, week and like i said uh, you know i basically broke even it was the weirdest time but it's i think it's my second or third time in five years on breeders <laughs> cup i've actually been even so it's really weird I wish I would be like that for this past derby, but uh, rest in peace, Medina. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, that, well, to piggyback on what you said, thank you, Neil. Well, I always want to thank all our listeners, and we do appreciate you listening, Neil. And uh, I got to say, we, we're we remiss about not looking at our numbers, but we we actually took a closer look at our numbers this week, and we got to admit, we got to thank a lot of people. We, our listenership is, is much, much higher than we actually even anticipated. And uh, so not just with Neil. But we want to thank everybody who listens and stuff and, and comments and yada, yada, yada. Uh, we saw the numbers this weekend. We were somewhat blown away, even though we kind of had an idea what it was, but it was more so than we thought. So, again, thanks to only to Neil, but everybody out there who listens. Well said. I have nothing else to add. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll knock it off here and hope everybody has a lovely weekend. And we will see you again next week. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, I'm CC Broadus. Reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. Good night.